the great chain breaker who, who broke the chains of, of bondage and sin in our lives. Amen. We're so thankful that there is no chain, not fear, not sin, not bitterness, not doubt. There is nothing that can keep us from You that He cannot break. Thank You, Father. We pray that You'll visit with us now. Open our eyes and, and our hearts to the Word that You've prepared for us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The story of a nameless man. He had a name. He had a name once. He had a family once. It seems so long ago now, but he loved and was loved once. A wife, children, parents, friends. He had neighbors once. He lived in a good home once. He loved spending time with his loved ones once. He had a good job. A job that he loved. After a long day's work, he would lay his head down and in a warm bed, in a warm house, but now he can hardly remember that life. One day, things suddenly changed. Something infiltrated his mind. He was filled with thoughts and, and doubts and fears, and his once peaceful life became suddenly turbulent. He went from being a happy man to a tortured soul. His mind was no longer his own. He couldn't sleep anymore. He couldn't work anymore. Sounds of laughter and joy that once filled his house were replaced by groanings and moanings of, of inner pain. Eventually, the outbursts and the behavior became intolerable. His neighbors didn't want him around anymore. His, his family couldn't have him around anymore. And, and so he left. He wandered the streets aimlessly, for a while, and, and people would run from him. Parents would cover their children's eyes and scurry for shelter when they saw him. Local authorities tried to lock him up, but no law could hold him. No chains were strong enough. The voices that, that filled his head gave him supernatural strength. He was an outcast. He was an outcast within his own town. He was an outcast within his own country. No one would talk to him anymore. The old life he knew had died. And so he went where death dwells. He went to a cemetery. And he made his home there. He would sleep in the damp, dark caves located on the cemetery lot. He would, as the pain became increasingly worse, he would find sharp rocks and as the voices in his head grew louder and, and stronger and greater in number, he would begin to cut himself. And the outward bleeding was painful, but it was a welcome distraction from the inward turmoil and the inward pain that he just could no longer bear. When people would come to the cemetery to bury a loved one or to visit a loved one who was buried there, they'd hear him. They'd hear the sounds They'd hear the, the, the shrieking, not his voice, an army of voices. He was possessed. And their sadness for him quickly gave way to fear of him. 
Such a sad, such a tragic story. They knew him before. He was normal once. He had a name once. Now they simply called him Legion. Turn with me to our scripture reference this morning or look up at the screens. We're going to start in Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read today about the first missionary commissioned by Jesus. And for some context here, Jesus had finished a long day of teaching. He gave the Sermon on the Mount. And he was tired. He and his disciples got into the boat to cross over to the other side. Remember, he fell asleep. And the storm rose and the disciples were terrified. They woke him up. He woke up. He calmed the storm. He stilled the waves and the sea. The disciples, the disciples were left in awe. And they were speechless. And then here we are the next morning. The boat arrives on the other side of the shore. And we find ourselves here in chapter 5, just getting out of the boat. Let's start reading. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Here he is. This man lived in the tombs, and, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. What an amazing story, huh? What a healing. What a restoration. We're reminded again 
that only Jesus can accomplish the impossible. This man was literally left for dead. He was no longer part of society. He was an outcast. He was no longer among the living. He didn't count anymore. The man at the cemetery, the crazy man, he was cast aside with the dead. But Jesus brings beauty from ashes, life out of death, and restoration out of devastation. Amen? We're going to look at this miracle today in three parts, in three phases. Legion's story from destruction to deliverance to deployment. First, destruction. When Jesus and his disciples step out of the boat, it was a long night, here this crazy man runs up to them. It's an eerie sight. They hear him, they see him. And both accounts in, in Mark and in Luke find the disciples describing the man's appearance and his symptoms. He was naked. He was scarred, bleeding from his own self-inflicted wounds. He was crying, shrieking, and screaming. He was out of his mind. And the disciples were no doubt taken aback by this. And they were scared by the encounter. But while they were busy looking at the man's symptoms, Jesus looked right at the root cause. He saw the chains. Not the physical chains. The chains that bound this man weren't physical ones. In fact, we read that no chain could hold him. He had supernatural strength, but he was bound in emotional, mental, and spiritual chains. And Jesus saw straight to the one who had him bound. Before he even addresses the man, he addresses the chains. Come out of him, he commanded. You know, the chains of, of demon possession had destroyed this man's life. They took everything. They stole his name, his identity, his joy, his home, his family, everything he held dear. Chains will do that. Bondage will do that. But as extreme as his chains were, they're really not all that different from the chains that bind us today, are they? Addictions. Addictions to substances. Addictions to habits. Addictions to frivolities. Addictions to attention. Addictions to power. Addictions to things. These are chains that can destroy everything in our lives. They hold us captive. Our past, our failures, our defeats, regrets. We can live enslaved to those, can't we? And they will slowly eat away at our lives and our joy. Pride, jealousy, lying, self-sufficiency, superiority. Legalism. Those two can be chains that impact every relationship and every decision in our lives. How about your dreams and aspirations? You know what? Those can be chains. They can be chains as much as any addiction if we let them. And our chains are not always self-inflicted. We, we can go through pain and persecution that if we let them become chains that hold us down. It's sin. And sin is the most powerful and crippling chain 
that enslaves us. And the results are unmistakable. We know them, we see them. Lost joy, ruined relationships, hopeless futures, restlessness, sleepless nights, consuming thoughts, worries, fears. You recognize some of those? Destruction. The chains that bind and enslave us lead only to destruction in our lives. And it's far easier to spot the destruction than it is the chains. We can easily see the symptoms in our lives, right? Our family is falling apart. Our marriage is consumed by bickering. The joy we once had isn't there anymore. The peace and calm that we once knew has been replaced with turbulence and restlessness. We don't have the same fire and passion for God that we once did in our lives. We're not living. We're not living anymore. We're just surviving. It's destruction. That's not how God intended for us to live. And and we spend so much time trying to patch the symptoms. We try to manufacture joy. We put on smiles and happy faces so no one will know any better. We take vacations hoping to find some joy outside of our normal environment. We try every therapy and self-help program we can get our hands on. We even come to church and we serve and we get busy and, and we try hard to recapture the fire that we once had. Patches. They're all patches for the underlying disease that's destroying us. It's like putting a Band-Aid on for heart disease. It may hide, but it won't heal. When we take an honest look at our lives, let's not focus on on patching the symptoms. I'm unhappy, so I'm going to do happy things. I'm dissatisfied, so I'm going to chase everything that I desire. Now, let's be honest and ask why. Why am I unhappy? Why am I not satisfied in life? Why is my family life filled with strife? Why do I not have victory over this sin? Let's shine the light of God's standard, His Word, on our lives, on our lifestyles, on our choices, decisions, thoughts, actions, and attitudes. Ephesians 5.13 in the NASB says, But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. That's what gets at the underlying cause, isn't it? We have an acronym in software development. RCA. Not the company. It stands for Root Cause Analysis. And whenever we find an issue, a bug, some problem in the software, we perform a root cause analysis to find out how and why it got there. You know, the symptom is never the underlying problem. It points to something that's the underlying cause. Well, throughout the Gospels, with everyone and every need he met, Jesus, I love this, he, he, before addressing the underlying, the, the symptoms, he always addresses the underlying cause. So when this man approaches him, Jesus doesn't immediately spend a minute binding his wounds and clothing his nakedness and making his cave more inhabitable. Of course he saw the destruction. 
He saw the fear and the loneliness in his eyes. He saw the scars all over his body. He saw the desperation of his living conditions. Don't ever think that because there's despair in your life and things are going from bad to worse that Jesus doesn't care. He cares so much that he doesn't want to just patch your symptoms. He wants to cure your disease. He wants you to see the underlying cause, to confess it, to give it to him and to let him eradicate it. He wants you to give him your chains. And the insanity of our humanity and of our human nature is that we often don't want to let go of our chains. We don't want to give up that lifestyle. We don't want to abandon that addiction. We, we, we don't want to let go of that pride or that legalism or that jealousy or regret. It's become part of us. It drives us. Whatever it may be, we've grown too comfortable with it to let it go. An alcoholic can't imagine his life without drink. A legalist can't imagine his life without law. We can't imagine our lives without our chains. Friend, that's not living. Like the song said, there's a better life. Those chains will take you to a place that you can't come back from. Christ came to break the chains, to set you free and to give you an abundant life. Freedom. Tomorrow, we're going to remember the men and women who fought and often died to earn and keep the freedom that we so enjoy. We're the land of the free because of the brave. Memorial Day. Well, I'm here to tell you today about a Savior who stands for freedom, who wrote freedom, Freedom from sin, freedom from bondage, from eternal damnation, freedom from every chain that binds you in your life today and prevents you from living the way He wants you to, from living freely in Him. A former alcoholic who finally surrendered his life to Christ and gave up his addiction made this very, very poignant observation. He said, The great thing about my Savior is that he asks me to surrender everything and gives back to me what I need. But he gives it back better than it was before and more than I had in the first place. Amen. Better and more. We have a God who specializes in better and more. Don't you want to really start living? Don't you want the life he intended for you to live? Give those chains to Christ, whatever they may be. Surrender to Him. Pray to Him. Cry out to Him. And watch Him not simply patch, but cure your life. Make today your memorial day. Look at the heart of our Lord in 2 Kings 20 and verse 5. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. Listen, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. He hears your prayers. He sees every tear. And he can, and he is the only one who can heal. 
So first, we see the destruction in this man's life. It's taken everything from him. And our second part, deliverance. Your chains are no match for his power. I'm going to say that again. Your chains are no match for his power. The army of demons inside Legion knew exactly who was addressing them. And it's interesting that demons are not atheists and their doctrine is very orthodox. They know exactly who Jesus is and they call him by his divine name. Son of the Most High God. The demons cry out in fear because they're scared. James 2.19 says, even the demons believe and shudder. They begged him. They pleaded with him not to destroy them, but to send them into the pigs nearby. And he granted them permission. Friend, nothing of this world can touch you without his permission. And when you bring him your chains, is it, is it a hardship? Is it a struggle for him to destroy them? No. He breaks them and renders them powerless in your life. Do you think he can't help you overcome that addiction if you come to him in sincerity and resolve? Do you think he can't forgive that sin and cast it away as far as the east is from the west? Do you think he can't take away that regret, that bitterness, that anger, that fear, that pain in your life? Do you think he can't help you overcome your past, your persecution, your broken heart? Whatever it is that has you bound, he is the great chain breaker. So why don't we come to him sooner? Why? Our pride. We don't want to admit to ourselves that anything's wrong, let alone admit to anyone else. And we come to church with happy faces and forced smiles that cover up the messes in our lives. Friend, we're all broken. That's why we're here. Jim Corley met his friend Alex at the car dealership where Alex worked. And Alex said, Jim, I feel like a hypocrite every time I go to church because I fail to live for Christ so often. And Jim thought and he said, Alex, what do you call this part of the dealership here? nodding to the area outside of, of his cubicle. He said, you mean the showroom? Yeah, yeah. And, and what's behind the showroom? Past the parts counter. Oh, the service department, Alex said confidently. What if I told you I didn't want to bring my car to the service department because it's running rough and I'm embarrassed? Jim asked. Well, that would be crazy. That's the whole point of service departments. It's to fix cars that aren't running right. He said, you're absolutely right, Jim replied. Now, now let's get back to our initial conversation. Instead of thinking of church as a showroom where image is everything, start thinking of it as God's service department. Helping people get back in running order with God is what church is all about. So is church a showroom or a service department for you? We're here because God repairs broken lives. Come to the Lord not to show Him how good you are, but to show Him how much you need Him. We do everything possible before we come to Him, don't we? 
We try on our own. We make half-hearted attempts to get better. Or, or we try to ignore the problem. We get busy with other causes, other undertakings. But, but do you hear the clanging? If you stop to listen, the chains are still there. They infiltrate every part of your life. Your disease isn't going to get better. Your enslavement isn't going to magically disappear. Charles Spurgeon years ago made a parable. He thought he had a right to make one, and he did it. And he said, There once was a tyrant who ordered one of his subjects into his presence, and he ordered him to make a chain. And the poor blacksmith, that was his occupation, had to go to work and forge the chain. When it was done, he brought it into the presence of the tyrant, And he was ordered to take it away and make it twice the length. He brought it again to the tyrant, and again he was ordered to double it. Back he came when he had obeyed the order, and the tyrant looked at it, then commanded the servants to bind the man hand and foot with the chain he had made and cast him into prison. And Mr. Spurgeon said, that is what the devil does with man. He makes them forge their own chains, and then binds them hand and foot with it and casts them into outer darkness. But, he said, thank God, I can tell you of a deliverer, the Son of God, who has power to break every one of those fetters if you will only come to Him. Only Christ has the power to break those chains. And that's exactly what He did for Legion. Jesus drove out the demons. He broke the chains. He took care of the root cause, and then then he took care of the symptoms. He healed the man's wounds. He clothed him. He redeems and restores. And the townspeople, when they were informed of this, they came and they found the man clothed, healed. Scars are gone. He's in his right mind. He's sitting, talking. Who would have imagined it? Can you imagine that their jaws dropping? Who could believe the after if you had seen the before? It was supernatural transformation. And that's what God does. He's in the business of deliverance. He's in the business of chain breaking. And He's in the business of transformation and restoration. Only He can take the broken and make it whole again. And restore not just what once was, He makes you better than you ever were. Medically, when a a bone is broken and reset, we're told that the place where the bone broke, once it heals, it becomes stronger than it ever was before. We would think it's just the opposite, that you have a vulnerability there, but that's not the case. It becomes stronger than it was before it was broken. Isn't that exactly what God does with our lives? He's our healer, He's our deliverer, and He's our restorer. We saw the destruction, we saw the deliverance, and now let's take a look at the deployment. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis 
how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. The man wanted nothing more than to just go with Jesus, go with the one who had made him whole, go with his deliverer. But Christ wanted nothing less than for this man to tell the world of his redemption. And so he does. Jesus deploys the transformed man into the ministry of telling his story by telling his story. And where does he send him? Go to Macedonia. There you'll find a small village. Go to the far reaches of the outback. Go to the plains of Africa. There's a small tribe there. Go start a global outreach ministry. No. He doesn't send them far, does he? Go home to your own people and tell them. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. That's outreach, friend. Outreach is a personal commission, not a corporate one. That's your mission field, and that's your mission. Nothing against missionaries. There, There aren't a lot of people I respect more on this planet, but you and I are missionaries too. Your world is your mission field. Your neighborhood is your mission field. Your classroom is your mission field. Your office is your mission field. Your dinner table is your mission field. You want to reach souls for Christ? Start at home. That's your mission field. And that's your most important mission. What are you waiting for? Well, I'm waiting for coordinated outreach programs in my church. Friend, that's tantamount to saying that uh, there's a well in my town and my neighbors badly need water, so I'm waiting for aqueducts to be built to reach my neighbors because, you know, this well really needs to reach the world. Well, stop waiting for the well to walk to your neighbors and start bringing your neighbors to the well. That's your world. That's your mission field. That's outreach. Outreach starts with you and me telling our story, which tells his story. The church can help equip you, but the church can't reach the people in your world. But you can. What did the healed man do? He obeyed. He obeyed. He went back to his people and began to tell them what Jesus had done for him. And they were amazed. He didn't let anything stop him. He wasn't afraid to go back. Eventually, he reached 10 countries just by telling his story. He wasn't apprehensive of the response. He wasn't afraid of the naysayers. He wasn't discouraged by the criticism. And there was criticism. There always is, and it's always immediate. When the people of the town where the cemetery was located came and saw him healed and clothed and in his right mind, we read they were afraid. They asked Jesus to leave their town. Get out. And if that isn't an accurate picture of the world and our society today, I don't know what is. When we testify of how Christ has changed our lives, when we explain what He has done for us, this sinful world gets scared. Why? Well, because they don't want to leave their sin. They don't want to abandon their lifestyle. But they also don't want to be, feel guilty for living it. And th- those two things are in opposition. They don't want to be exposed to a higher standard. 
Take your standard and go. Take your Jesus and leave. And that's the collective message that our society tells Christians today, isn't it? We don't want to change, and we don't want anything to threaten our lifestyle, and we don't want to be made to feel guilty about it. So go. Get out. Well, he didn't let it discourage him. He moved on, and he told his story to his hometown and throughout the world eventually, and all of his neighboring cities. Well, that's, that's wonderful, but, but I'm, I'm not worthy of the calling. And Jesus Christ commissioned you. You want to argue with that? But I, I, I don't have the words. I don't have the proper theological training to publicly speak for Christ. It doesn't take any education or theological training to tell your story. The following is from a challenging excerpt from a missionary conference at Applegate Christian Fellowship. pastor said, who do you suppose was Jesus' first missionary? One of the twelve disciples, perhaps? Trying to figure out which one? Paul the Apostle? No. Jesus' first missionary was the Gerasene man. A man who only minutes before was possessed by a legion of demons. A man whose theology was only minutes old. A man whose doctrinal knowledge could be summed up in one sentence. Jesus scared the devil out of the demons. That's all he knew. And yet Jesus instructed him, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how, he's had, how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And the result was that all the people were amazed. The key to being used, he said, is not your theological educational foundation. The key to being used is to share what you've heard from God's Word. Jesus said in Mark 4.24, Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With a measure you see, it will be measured to you and even more. And of course, like Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Or as the King James Version says, study to show thyself approved. We are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, but the appetite for studying increases proportionally to the amount that we share with others, the amount that we give out. Are you teaching your kids the great stories of the Bible? Are you, are you blogging to influence people for Christ? Are you leading a youth group? Are you sharing the gospel with neighbors? Whatever your calling, don't doubt God's ability to use you. It's more dependent on Him than it is on you. The key to being used is to give out the bread of life that you take in. That's inspiring, isn't it? That's our calling. That's our deployment. God has given us a mission in simply sharing with others what He's done in our lives. And He's given us a mission field. Start at home. Start with those in your world and tell them what He's done for you. What an amazing transformation. I love, I love that the first commissioned missionary in the Gospels wasn't a learned theologian wasn't an educated scribe. He was, it, he was a crazy man possessed that Jesus healed and made whole, cleaned up and sent out with a purpose. Who else 
Who else can make such a transformation? No one. Only Christ. He is the only one who can take the broken and discarded and make it whole and useful with a purpose. From destruction to deliverance to deployment. What a story. And you know, as, as amazing as that story is, and amazing as that miracle is, the story is not all that unique. It's quite a common tale, actually. Look around you today. Every redeemed life here can tell that story. We were enslaved to sin. We were bound by chains that held us captive. We tried on our own. We failed on our own. We found in Christ a Savior who could at once forgive our sins, redeem us, and break the chains that held our past, our present, and our eternal future. He redeemed our past. He revolutionized our present. And He rewrote our future. Amen. And that's a story worth telling, isn't it? Well, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, friend, you're still bound by chains. You hear them. You hear the clanging. You're bound by chains of sin that will decide your eternal fate. And you can try. You can try as hard as you can to be good, to do good, to live well, to treat others well. But none of that will measure up to God's standard. Sin can't be negated by good works, by good thoughts, good actions. None of your efforts will break the chains that hold you captive. There's only one who can. Turn your eyes to Jesus, the chain breaker. Accept His free offer of salvation and receive His forgiveness of sin. It costs you nothing but your chains. He will redeem. He will rescue you. He will restore you. He will give you the peace that, that you've always longed for and sought. He'll give you a love unlike anything you've ever dreamed. He'll give you the, the hope, the hope of a future that, that you didn't have. And what a future. He will give you a future you can't even imagine. Isn't it time? Isn't it time? You've tried everything else. You've gone everywhere. You've done everything. Nothing worked. Give Him your chains. And watch Him raise beauty from ashes. And you will be yet another amazing story of a life that went from destruction to deliverance to deployment. All for Christ and all because of Christ. The great chain breaker. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for the story of this Gerasene man who the world had written off. Thank You that when the world says impossible, You say watch. Thank You for Your Son who is the, the great deliverer, the great chain breaker, the great healer. There is nothing that binds us that He cannot remove, destroy, and render powerless in our lives. Give us strength to stop trying with our own efforts. It takes a strong man or woman to give up and let go 
and let God. But that's the story we want our lives to tell. The story of transformation from destruction to deliverance to deployment into this world for you. We love you. We thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.